Runner podcast. My name is John, and we are back to celebrate the 90s, uh, power of the 90s style here. And we're going to be talking about 1995, uh, a super important, uh, very big year in in Star Wars in the 90s. So um, joining me this morning, as always, is Ryan. Morning. And uh, we are excited to have a special guest with us today, which is uh, uh, Jeff, the Metal Mando. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate that. Uh, Actually, I was talking to you or messaging you one time where I got turned on to your podcast uh, because of the power of the 90s, and I uh, just watched everyone back-to-back and uh, kind of commented on how much I liked that and uh, said, hey, you know, I'd love to kind of chime in and give some thoughts on these upcoming years because this area meant so much to me, and I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Oh yeah, not a problem. We're excited to have you here. Um, we're, we're definitely looking forward to hearing about your your expertise in this era, um, the toys for sure. And and you've already started schooling us a little bit on some of these reference books, is, uh, which is what we're going to start out with. So um, yeah, it should be uh, it should be good. It should be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, let's let's start talking about these these books uh, from this era, specifically the the nonfiction reference books, um, which. Um, are kind of our favorite, uh, I think, from this era. So uh, the first one on our list here is from Star Wars to Indiana Jones, the best of the Lucasfilm archives, um, which is a book I really need to pick up, but I don't actually have. Um, Ryan, did you have this one? Do you have this? I don't. Okay. All right. So Jeff, you do have this one, right? Yes, I do have this. Okay. There it is. Nice. Um, Yeah. yeah, I've seen that one around. I've been meaning to get it. Um, Yeah. I know it's talked about as being a, a really great book. So um, can you tell us a little bit about about that one, Jeff? And, and, and the first and, thing is funny is uh, there's actually the price tag on here. I got it for four ninety nine. Yeah, I see that. Is, 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 is that like Borders or uh, where's that from? I think I got this a long time ago from uh, like a Costco type of place. Uh, oh, okay. I actually can't remember where I bought this now that I think about it. But yeah, yeah, I remember seeing this for four ninety nine. Well, I got to pick that one up. Yeah, that's a deal. <laughs> yeah, obviously the interesting thing is you know half the book is um, dedicated to Indiana Jones, which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, back in this time frame, I was just thirsting for any kind of information. You know, getting back into Star Wars and just being able to have this kind of a like a, the artwork here, um, this concept artwork and everything. Yeah, just kind of loving all this. Uh, it's kind of, uh, I mean, there's similar books. You can see, like, uh, pages here. I mean, the artwork, the concept artwork. Mm-hmm. The stuff, you know, there's been a lot of books released later on that have, you know, this type of stuff. But this is kind of the first time I ever really got to see props, oh, wow. uh, concept art, things like that. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and at this stage of the game, you know, we're even sometimes seeing like video tours and walkthroughs of the Lucasfilm right. archives and stuff like that. And like you said, Jeff, there's been more books of that nature released and stuff. So, um, but this sounds like it was a, uh, kind of groundbreaking in, in revealing some of that stuff for the first time. Uh, yeah. Is that a Steve Sansweet book or who is the author of that one? This is, yeah, guys, sorry, I'm not seeing uh Okay. Right. Well, maybe maybe the archives themselves put that one together, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Joe it was a team effort. Kind of thing. Oh, Joe Costa knew. Could be. Yeah, I should have checked that out before. I wasn't even thinking about that. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's all right. I was just curious. Um, I know we've got at least one or two uh, uh, Sansweet books coming up. I think. 
Do we, or maybe we don't? I don't know. We got some Kevin J. Anderson, some KJA. KJA, okay. Yeah. Guys, it does say it's written by Mark Vaz. Uh, oh, okay. Have you? No, mm -hmm. no, I don't think so. And uh, a name I'm not going to be able to pronounce correctly, Shinji Hata, maybe? So, hmm. Yeah, so those are the two guys that wrote it. So. Okay. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I will definitely um, look to, to pick that one up. Um, and, uh, you know, either hardcover or paperback, I guess it's in both. So if I can grab either one, I'll, I'll take a look. Uh, I like to go to half price books and, and find some of these, uh, these books from the nineties. Yeah, so, um, or Amazon or eBay or whatever that works too. So I will uh, put that one on the short list. Yeah. Uh, I next oh, I'm sorry. Like, oh. At the time. Yeah. This was, uh, like you said, groundbreaking, but the books that came out afterwards, which you're going to probably get to, uh, the archives. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of that one? Or yeah, um, is that the is that the the kind of the big set, the archives book? Or there's one. Um, it's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, has a gold and black cover, uh -huh. and it's like it has a slipcase, and you pull the book out. Okay. <sighs> and there was one called the Vault, which came out from Sanskrit later on, similar to this, but like you said, this was the first one. Chronicles. I'm sorry, the Chronicles. Okay, right, 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 right. At the time, yeah. it had a $150 price tag, which was crazy when mm -hmm. it was first released. And then uh, I got that uh, clearance for about 80 bucks after a couple years. But that's oh, nice, the nice. ultimate Star Wars book in mind, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Yeah, I can kind of, I think I can picture it. Is it like, it's not like a perfect rectangle shaped box? Is it much taller. Yeah, much yeah. taller than a normal book. And does it have like C3PO's head on it? Mm. No, it's just no, gold I with. Uh, I wish I could just wish I could pop out and get it real quick. Uh, I think I can picture it. I think I can. Take me about twenty seconds. You want me to grab? <laughs> sure. Yeah, you could do All that right. if you want to grab it. All right, go ahead, guys. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just uh, talk about that uh, that vault book real quickly. Then while he's grabbing the other one, I don't know what year that released. Um, probably post nineties. I think it was sometime in the mid 2000s, but I don't know if you've seen that one or not, Ryan, but it has like reproductions of a lot of, um, I guess reproductions of, of, uh, letters and, um, like stickers and, uh, just all kinds of different and little, I don't know, memorabilia and things like that, like tickets to press screenings and things like that. So that book is really, really cool. And, uh, I actually got that as a gift from a student, which was super generous and really nice. Wow. Yeah. He was like, Oh, I got this for Christmas a few years ago and it's just been in my closet ever since. And I never looked at it. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's like, then he gave it to me and I was so excited because, um, that's, that's an incredible book. Nice. Wow. I, yeah, I was just talking about the vault book, Jeff, which, uh, I do have yeah. that book is, is really great, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, going up a little off track here. There's not 95, but uh, yeah, this is the one here, guys. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Amazing. Okay. Absolutely incredible. Okay, and it's got like the TIE Fighter uh, see how it kinda, window uh, type thing. This. Yeah. And then the, the book yeah, slides out. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so there's that. And then, uh, yeah, this thing, this thing will blow you away just because it's just such high quality and everything. But it covers... It's like a, like a visual museum, just unbelievable. <laughs> wow, nice. Okay, yeah, I will have to put that one on the list too. Although right, that's a, right. that might be a little bit more. It's of a pricey. Pricey, pricey it's, pickup. Are you it's checking so it out? Yeah, now seventy-two bucks on it. Yeah, no. Okay, that sounds like it's worth it though. Sounds yeah. like it's worth it. 
Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's let's move on to uh, to our next book on the list here, which is the Essential Guide to Characters, and uh, th this is a book that I think has been updated many times, probably since then. There's a lot of editions of this one, um, and uh, I think I have some of those, but I don't have this 1995 version of the book. Um, Jeff, do you have this one? Yeah, that's, I could not find that one for some reason. I know I have it, but I, yeah. Okay, it looks like Ryan's got it. Yeah, I don't think I have the 1995 version, though. Mine... Uh -huh. Oh, no, mine is the 95 one. Yep. That cover looks the same. Yeah, no, so this is the it. 1995 copy. Cool. Oh, mm -hmm. and I opened up right to two great pages here. We have Lobaka. Okay. <laughs> and uh, General Crixmadeen, who's going oh. to come up in conversation a little bit later here. Uh-huh. So yeah, yeah this you, book this book rules. I love um, I love all the essential guide books. Those were, um, you know, some of my favorites from like the '90s and early 2000s. Uh -huh. The funny thing is, guys, is I never actually bought any of this stuff in '95. Oh yeah, um, I'm back. I was always flipping through all those essential guides in the bookstore. Just I wasn't really back into Star Wars, but you know, every time I saw something, I kind of want to check it out. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about the figures. That's what really got me back into it. But all these uh, books, yeah, I went back and bought these after the fact, like around maybe 96 or 97. Yeah. Mm. That's absolutely the case for, for me, and I, yeah. I think probably for you too, Ryan. Like, yeah. A lot of this stuff I've really been picking up like in the last couple of years, um, but I did have you know, some of these things. Uh, I think I talked about on the last episode, the, the, um, the encyclopedia or the guide to the Star Wars universe books that, uh, that I loved. Um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I have a few of them, but, uh, but yeah, definitely not. I, I, I bought most of mine in the prequel era, mm -hmm. I would say like, especially leading up to episode one, like hype there where I just wanted to know everything about Star Wars. Yeah. And yeah, around that era is when I bought most of mine. Nice. Yeah. And it looks like that, uh, that essential guide to characters book too, probably has a lot of material from the uh, West end game stuff and um, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I could tell just by those images that those, yeah, the cool. art reminds me a ton of the, the stuff developed the for, for West end. Books. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Well, uh, I'm really embarrassed to say that I don't have this next book, but, uh, I, I definitely want to grab it. Um, the illustrated star Wars universe and uh, this is one written by Kevin J. Anderson um, and features, obviously, a lot of artwork from Ralph McQuarrie. I don't know if it's got Joe Johnston and, you know, other artists in there, too, um, or if it's all McQuarrie. But, uh, but yeah, it is uh, all McQuarrie. It's all McQuarrie. Movie. Okay. And, and he produced some new pieces for this book, too, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, that one sounds, sounds pretty great. You mentioned Joe Johnston. Did you, did you guys ever pick up those uh, old scrapbooks? From Which the original one? trilogy, it's called the Star Wars Scrapbook. Oh, uh, yes, I think I do. Blue. Have that. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the first uh, Star Wars related thing I ever received as a kid. I got that for uh, Christmas, so oh, that nice. was it's a pretty special one. I mean, I still have it. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. All right. Yeah, um, that's. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, uh, sort of tell me a little bit, a little bit about this, uh, the Macquarie pieces in here, and, and kind of the layout of this this book, um, since I since you guys have it, and mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> ridiculously, you know, I don't have it. <laughs> What's it look like? There's actually a lot of text in here, mm -hmm. more than you think, along with all the artwork, um, which which is pretty cool if you really want to deep dive into um, the concept of, you know, how he was a. Uh, what he was thinking about developing all these pictures and ideas. 
it's yeah, it's artwork you've probably seen here and there all the time. Uh, <laughs> my favorite one, and I highlighted this, is I don't know if you can see this, but it's uh, concept art of the Gorax. Okay. Oh yeah. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Peeking over the ledge there, and that's that's one of my yeah. favorite uh, pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> in this book, my favorite picture. Yeah, I, I like that one a lot, too. And what's um, striking about this book is um, it it has, you know, you see a lot of the, um, you know, the the more, I don't know, there's some of those Macquarie pictures you see a lot. Like, you see the showdown between, like, Luke and Vader, and you see, like, the early Chewbacca and stuff. Like, those you see a lot, but... What I really like about this book is it has a lot of like his um, his creatures and stuff like like the one Jeff was just showing, and then um, I love his wampa, uh, which is like terrifying looking. Like oh, it's yeah. so scary. I use the same word. <laughs> <laughs> and I love seeing those. Like I feel like I mean Macquarie obviously ended up being very successful as like a sci-fi artist, but like I can picture like an alternate timeline where like he's doing concept art for like alien or something at the same time. Like that would, that would have been pretty cool too. Here's, here's how high quality is it. I'll check out this two page layout of uh, some concept art for, uh, looks like they're trying to enter cloud city to pilots right there. Mm. Oh, wow. See that? Yeah. It's really, really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, man, I, I really need to pick that up for sure. Um, it's super cheap too. Is it? Yeah, I got a copy ship for less than ten bucks. Oh, nice. Okay, I will. I will get on that uh, mm-hmm. uh, right away. Then uh, I know there's been some more comprehensive, I guess, maybe um, Macquarie uh, books and collections yeah. put out in the last couple of years that were pretty expensive. The box set. Yeah. Like the two hundred dollars for the box set. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I'll, not, so, I'll never own that. Yeah, <laughs> probably not in the cards for me uh, yeah. to get that. Um, although uh, I, I feel real dumb too because um, a couple times, the last two celebrations at least, um, I've gone by the booth that's selling like signed uh, Macquarie prints and stuff, um, and and haven't picked any of those up. And like I've I've had them in my hands ready to buy them at both both celebrations and didn't grab them. Um, and I think they're running low on that stuff because obviously there's a limited wow. number of those and um, and they're not going to last forever. So. How much does a signed Macquarie print go for? Well, there's different sizes and stuff. Like there's, yeah. you know, smaller ones, like something like this. And those are like $50 maybe. Oh, wow. Bucks. And then there's, um, you know, posters that are a couple hundred dollars. I mean, there's all kinds of different. Yeah. Um, so, but... Right. Uh, Maybe yeah. this will be the celebration. Maybe. Hopefully they yeah. still have some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are going to Chicago, both of you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We're going to see you there? You know, I have never been to a celebration. <laughs> no? Yeah. Me neither. And I and I live in Florida. I live close to Orlando, a four-hour drive. I didn't I didn't even go to that one. Oh, just, yeah. uh, just, you know, money, uh, getting time off of work and stuff. just didn't work out. Yeah. So. yeah, it's a big commitment. So it's a lot. To yeah. Do. Yeah. So, so Chicago's not 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 planning on Chicago. No, I won't be attending. No. Oh, okay. All right. 
All right. Well, we'll try to keep you up to speed on what's going on. <laughs> sure. we'll be there, so. uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I told you or not, but I'm, I'm only an hour and a half away from Chicago. So oh, that, that's an easy one for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, cool. All right. Well, uh, our, our last uh, sort of reference book here is the star Wars technical journal, which I'm kind of paging through now. Uh, we didn't have this one in the notes and, uh, Jeff, uh, pointed out that, uh, that, that it was missing. So we, we've got that one. Um, this one is from, uh, author is, uh, Shane Johnson. And, uh, yeah, this book is great. Lots of, uh, fold out sort of like blueprints and schematics and things like that. Uh, a lot of text in here too. Um, and, uh, it's a great looking book for sure. Yeah. The cool thing about this is definitely the fold outs. Um, like you said, that almost looks like blueprints of everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and this is, you know, one of the reasons that we, uh, I might probably talk about it on every show, but one of the reasons we do this is because it's, it's just, uh, the power of the nineties. I mean, uh, is that it's just so much fun to kind of look at like what was, um, star Wars like in 95 and, and sort of like, or in the nineties and, 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 you know, what was it like to be a star Wars fan at that time? So, um, I think, you know, this is obviously, uh, a period in which there was a lot more happening in star Wars by the time you get to 95, but a lot of it was sort of expanding what we already knew and, kind of doing deep dives into the original trilogy or taking those characters mm -hmm. and writing new stories about them from the original trilogy. And so it would be a few more years, obviously, before um, we get new stories uh, from from the maker himself anyway. So, um, yeah, I think like at this time there was a lot of, I mean, there still is, but there was a lot of this kind of thing where it's it's like really let's let's look at every sort of device and vehicle and, 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 uh, and, and do these blueprints and schematics and, and really get into... Um, detail on that. And I remember at this time in 95, it was, you know, I watched the movies on VHS all the time. And, um, but having these kinds of books that, uh, you know, well, why is it called a TIE fighter? You know, <laughs> what, oh, twin ion engine. Okay. Interesting. And then like learning about how they, you know, how they operated and how they were designed and all that stuff was, was really cool. Or to see in here, like how a lightsaber works, um, and the design of a lightsaber and stuff like that, the internals of it is just really cool. Yeah, something that I'm thinking about now is um, it would be interesting, and I don't think we are definitely not the people equipped to do this, but to um, find like in the equivalent time frame for Star Trek, like the time between. Um, I mean, I guess Trek kept going because there were movies, but I also remember before before I ever saw like Star Wars blueprints, I remember seeing like the like enterprise blueprint books and stuff at stores or maybe it was around the same time but i wonder i wonder who kind of did that first um and i think it it ended up being like a kind of symbiotic thing where people just got interested in that stuff but um i don't know like that was definitely of the era uh-huh yeah I'll probably repeat this a lot, but um, things like this technical journal, just, you know, creating that information and being able to, like you said, find out why this was made this way or what, what the background of a certain character, you know, just that's that's what we really attracted me to all, this, all these things and being able to add that information, that, you know, just expanding upon everything from the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we we had three movies. That was it. And so, if you wanted yeah. to spend more time in Star Wars, and and uh, which we all did, uh, you needed stuff like this. Um, and we still do. I mean, we we get tons of books like this, obviously, um, mm -hmm. now. But there's a special feeling to them from that era because, you know, we just had less, um, and and everything was so concentrated on those first three movies. So, um, pretty cool. 
pretty cool time and and they were definitely uh really exciting i mean same same way i felt about uh, star wars insider too uh which i think i talked about on the last episode as well but you know going into a bookstore and finding a star wars insider it was like oh my god here's 90 pages or 100 pages or whatever of this magazine that i can just soak up you know star wars mm-hmm. and, and have that uh all that material was really exciting so yeah um Nope, go ahead, John. Oh, I, I have a couple things that you might find interesting. Um, uh, a technical journal, not to be confused with the technical journals, the magazines that came out in 93 and 94. And Ryan, I believe you have one of those. There was oh, a, a technical yeah. journal for Tatooine, the Rebel Forces, and the Imperial Forces. I don't have any of those, um, actually. I think we maybe mentioned them, but are I, those I like the popular mechanics looking They were made by Starlog. Okay. Yeah. And you, you, yeah, you put one up on okay. the screen there at one point. <laughs> you didn't well, know, you you know, you know what it was. I remember you saying, you okay. like some odd thing you picked up. You... That's probably likely. Okay. Here's the other uh, interesting thing about this technical journal. Those magazines were actually, t- they took those and put them into this hardcover journal, parts of those magazines. So, Okay. Like okay. That. So this is like reprinting material from those. Yeah, almost. Yeah, I took oh. a lot of that and incorporated into this hardcover book. Oh, yes. Yes. Exactly, there it is. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Oh. Okay. Okay. I remember thumbing through those all the time at the at the bookstores in the mall. Never, never actually bought one of those though. Yeah, this oh. is something um, my wife picked up for me like a year ago at like just a used bookstore somewhere for like two bucks. And I didn't know that this was reintegrated into the the big book. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Huh. And I uh, also wanted to bring up Starlog. You guys you guys were into the Starlog magazine, weren't you? Trying to get information that way too. Because oh, uh, yeah. every once in a while they have a Star Wars uh, special issue and those were kind of cool at the time too. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, I was, I think, you know, like uh, it, a lot of times it was like choosing between getting a Starlog or a Fangoria. Fangoria, <laughs> yep. <laughs> at the, you know, at the bookstore. And I, I have to is, say, I did kind of lean more towards Fangoria at the time. It's so funny. Like, I think everybody that bought Fangoria bought, bought Starlog. They were kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. Two branches of the same tree sort of thing, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And those were great. So, but yeah, no, I definitely uh, was, was, um, scoping out the Starlog magazines at that time too, for sure. I think for me, like my, my monthly um, source of Star Wars news was probably more wizard magazine at this time, because I was more into the comic side of things. Um, And then later uh, toy fair, once they launched that, which I believe was around this time, because I mean, early toy fair magazine was very focused on Star Wars figures because that's, kind of what brought back the or brought the adult collecting boom. And we'll get into that later. But yeah, yeah. Ryan, I have every one of those toy fair magazines. Nice. Oh, nice, nice. So good. Oh, nice, nice. So and, uh, good. The guys in ninety five there was a couple uh action figure magazines were actually around. Uh, Tomart's action figure digest. Remember mm. that? And Lee's action figure. It I'm was, right. uh, was that more of a price guide type thing, though, or was yeah, it price guides? Yeah, they were actually price guides. Tomart's had some articles, but Lee's was just straight up price guide. Price guide, right, right, right. But I, I love the price guides for some reason. I was just infatuated with that. Not infatuated, but just wanted to know what everything was worth. Yeah, so I got really into that. You know, 
Sure. Um, yeah, I have yeah. a I have a Toy Fair number one here um, with an ATAT on the cover, and it looks like Toy Fair number one came out ninety seven September of ninety seven, right. and so that's quite a I, that's quite a few years after um, the Star Wars figures launch. Not quite; a, it's a couple years after the Star Wars figures launch, but I kind mm-hmm. of associated them with like the same time period, but. Um, yeah, I never, I never really saw like the price guides and stuff until, um, like the value of figures until Toy Fair outside of going to like my local comic shop. Um, so I wasn't really aware, like I was aware that there were those comic guides, um, for prices, like, uh, you know, parallel to wizard, but I had no idea about, um, there being toy price guides at that time. I absolutely, uh thumb through the wizard magazines all the time for the price guide part of oh, it. Oh yeah. Uh, I think it uh, wasn't toy fair. Um, wasn't it the same company? Wasn't that yeah. a wizard? Yep. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. It's right up here. First issue from yeah, wizard. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that's another thing that's uh, kind of a time capsule is to go back and look at price guides. Not that I've really done that, but um, it sounds like something I, I would be into is just to, like s- sort of look at one of those uh, price guides from the era and, and sort of say like, well, what was a, you know, a Return of the Jedi Gamorrean guard worth in 1995, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. So totally. um, that, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well let's let's move on to uh, we'll, we're going to talk uh, just for down here. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna kill me, but I got one more. You probably oh, okay. want to see this. No, if you sure. don't mind, I yeah, don't no. spend a lot of time on this, but no problem. Messages to you when I direct uh, message you the Star Wars Galaxy magazine. Ooh, oh yes, yes, yes. Is, and I thought these were actually a lot better than uh, than Star Wars Insider at the time. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I was thinking that was just about the Galaxy cards Trading from cards, Tops. Yeah. But this one, this one here came out in late '94. Okay, so that's why I mentioned that to you. Um, that's your '94. Yes, you got to clean up, clean up something we missed there, and, and bring but, it uh, up. Yeah, yeah this, this is a, it's a lot of uh, almost fan fiction. A lot of uh, authors would, uh, you know, go on the. Take characters and give a lot, a lot of background. And uh, here's one called the Crystal Star, and that's oh. a little uh, like four yeah. page of fan fiction there. Uh huh. I've I've actually read that. Uh, I've read that book, The Crystal Star. Oh, you know what? Um, this one actually says uh, a book excerpt. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't really. I think we did. We bring that one we up talk, last. I think we talked about a. In, it was a ninety-four book. Ninety-four book, and I don't actually remember much about it. But uh, but I did read that one from the library back in the day. So, see, just some uh, little short comics strips here. Uh huh. All kinds of neat stuff in these magazines, and uh, in ninety-five, they released four of these. Yes. There's that one there. If you've ever seen that. In the- that one I definitely remember. I, don't, although I guess maybe I remember the card too, and that's why I'm remembering that cover. But I, I no, definitely remember seeing really these. Really cool. Sorry to interrupt you. They have really cool uh, posters that you pull out. Every single one of them had a poster. Uh-huh. Just, uh huh. You know, like here's a one just there's all kinds of different kind of aliens on a poster. Oh, that's cool. That yeah. actually looks like is that advertising the Essential Guide uh, book? It looks like. The essential guide. Let's say the essential guide to Star Wars aliens is what this is uh, titled. Uh huh. So yeah, 
Nice. So do you have uh do you have like a whole run of that magazine then, Jeff? Uh, I have, looks like it's in I have all of them. I just I just picked out the ones from ninety five to show you guys. There's a Ooh. Whoa, that cover. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who the artist for that cover. It looks and then uh, here's the other one from ninety. Oh wow. Nice. nice. Yeah, then I think there was only thirteen of these. And it came out every three months, I believe. Uh-huh. So that just ran for a couple of years then, huh? Three years or so. Yeah. Nice. It also actually turned into Star Wars Galaxy Collector magazine. You remember that? I don't think I do. Actually. That I don't. No. That's another big, uh, like kind of a Toy Fair's rival for a while. Around '97, that's why there's only 13 issues of this. It turned into Star Wars Galaxy Collector magazine, and then it just focused all on just just collecting and nothing else. So they kind of changed the mm. the focus a little bit. Huh. Nice. For a lot. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to try to track some of those down as well then. Um, yeah. So when when was that about ninety seven? You said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think the um, popularity of Toy Fair kind of they probably wanted to change what they were doing to you know take advantage of that the whole collecting boom. So uh -huh. yeah. Uh -huh. Um, John, real quick before we move on, just to um answer your question from earlier about uh what <laughs> a Gamorian guard figure was worth. Um, this is 1997, so we can get into this more in two episodes. But uh, a box, a complete on card, um, Gamorian Guard was $25 okay. in 1997. And a loose Gamorian Guard was $8 okay. from the Return of the Jedi series. So. Not bad. Now I'm curious what those are worth in 2018. but uh... Uh, On card, a lot more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah for sure. Man, I've been finding a lot of loose original Kenner figures for like really cheap lately. Yeah, I've started digging in a little bit just because I've been finding them at great prices, like sure. five bucks. It's yeah. pretty cool. The vintage or the yeah, the vintage. Yeah, yeah. I bought uh, I bought about seventy of those figures in one shot from uh, some guy selling uh, Lee's action figure price guide. Actually, he had a mm -hmm. full page ad from in New Jersey and. Uh, yeah, I got about sixty of those or whatever for one hundred and ten dollars. So. Oh my goodness! That's <laughs> how so I got yeah, kickstarted my collection for the vintage, and I went and acquired all the more expensive ones later on. I'm still missing seven of them, you know, the usual ones, Man of Man, and uh, you know some of the Ewoks. So the Boba Fett with the the rocket. Well, everybody's missing that oh, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. There's like except three. for like three people. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nice. So he has them all. Yeah, John. I, I have one more thing to show you here. Um, like some of these books uh, that came out, you said you didn't read some of the novels, and from uh, earlier in the '90s. And as we, you, go, you guys go on, uh, this right here, "The Essential Reader's Companion" by Pablo Hidalgo. Mm -hmm. See, I never got around to reading the novels, but this book summarizes every single novel and comic oh. ever ever put out in the expanded universe era. Yeah, it's just amazing. So uh, something to think about if you want to know about all these novels but don't have the time to read them this thing will catch you right up yeah i think we definitely i i at least definitely need to get one of those um as we continue doing these power of the 90s uh episodes right. um because yeah. i'm not going to be reading all these novels at this point yeah, so. yeah. Great, um, totally. it would be very good for us to have uh yeah. one of those to take a look at so I'll, I'll definitely pick those up it was fun i was just thinking about this the other day ryan when we did the 90 91 and 92 episodes like there weren't too many books so it was kind of fun to try to to read those yeah. and especially um 
what was uh what was that what was our our buddy's name oculate or the ocula Tri- uh, triclops triclops yeah <laughs> to read about him in the glove of darth vader and all that yeah. but uh it's uh yeah. it's too hard to keep up with all that uh nope, at this not point. happening at this point <laughs> yeah you right right you right actually had me laughing out loud when you were going over that book how bizarre it was <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun yeah so um but yeah so, so speaking of uh we do have a list of of legends books that were released in in 95 on uh i'll just run through the titles and uh maybe we'll talk a little bit about tales from most Eisley because that one is is uh you got you got triclops on there I got triclops from <laughs> he's one of the essential <laughs> characters oh, in I, uh in 1995 he's absolutely in a sense 2018 character. as well yeah yeah for sure <laughs> all right so we had uh, snoke okay, yeah uh-huh uh-huh the snoke of his era the snoke of 1995 so so we have uh, legends books here uh ambush at corellia which is part of a trilogy that came out in february Children of the Jedi came out in, in April. Uh, Young Jedi Knights Heirs, that was in June. Uh, Junior Jedi Knights, The Golden Globe in October. And then also a novel called Dark Saber in November. Um, so those those are the ones that we have here uh, listed as, as being books that came out in, in 95 um, that are now considered Legends books. Uh, you can tell just from the titles, it seems that there's a lot of emphasis on the, uh, on the, um, the solo Skywalker uh, Organa kids there, I think, um, mm. sort of seems like where things were going at that time. Um, um, I think so anyway. Uh, but, um, but the big one maybe that is worth talking about for a few minutes here. Um, and that we probably all kind of remember at least a little bit is tales from the most Isley cantina. Um, Ryan, were you, I think maybe you were reading up on that a little bit before. Yeah, doing I bought a copy of it. <laughs> Okay, that's all. Just yep, that's about <laughs> okay. as far as we went. <laughs> Alrighty, okay. To start, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's that's yeah, a start. Uh, about that book, I I used I used to hang out at the bookstore a lot. Yeah, I definitely remember picking that one up and reading. Uh, just uh, you know, spending a half hour reading uh, one of the one or two of the stories. I remember, but I never did, actually did buy the book. So, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I, I I read uh, a bit of that at the time, uh, or probably read all of it at the time. I, I haven't reread it recently, um, but but I did read that one um, at the time it came out, and I think a lot of people uh, read that one. And yeah. you know, the Cantina is something that has fascinated Star Wars fans. I think since you know seventy seven, since the movie came out. So uh, the idea of being able to sort of have this book, this this collection of short stories that are kind of telling us more about that scene that was just so packed full of, uh, of characters and, and, um, you know, intriguing ideas was, uh, was a great, uh, you know, a great concept. And I think, you know, tales from the most Isaac Cantina is one of the, I don't know if it's one of the most popular sales wise, I would assume it is, but, um, definitely one of the most influential and sort of like lasting books from this era. It's mm-hmm. one that, um, you know, obviously it's, it's sort of, creating stories about these characters that didn't exist at the time the movie was made. So um, it's, it's expanding on that stuff and, and sort of, you know, kind of it's new ideas and, in and that sort of thing, but it's all rooted in that movie. It's all rooted in a new hope. And so where some of the other novels and, and things happening in the expanded universe were shooting off in different directions and creating new stories and new planets and new characters and all that kind of stuff like this, this book tales from most Isaac Cantina was something that was really, 
uh, almost like we were talking uh, talking about earlier. It's like, well, we have these three movies. That's all, all we kind of have. So we want to dig into them and get as detailed as we can. And uh, this would really scratch that itch at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know, the dark, the underbelly kind of vibe. So that's I think a lot of people are attracted to that, knowing you know what's going on behind the scenes. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, before we move on to comics, um, I feel like maybe I should go back and pick up Dark Saber by Kevin J. Anderson as it centers on a plot by the Huts to build their own Death Star. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, alrighty. Uh, Ryan, this is kind of your wheelhouse here, uh, comics. Um, we can not, talk about that. Not in this episode. <laughs> not in this episode. You haven't read too many of these? No. no. Okay. Well, we have uh, we have three comics listed for ninety five: um, X Wing, Rogue Squadron, number one, Tales of the Jedi, The Sith War, and Empire's End as well. Um, and these are all out of uh, we use um, the year by year Star Wars year by year book quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some notable comics, at least from from ninety five. Um, and uh, Empire's End would be um, let's see, um, that's wrapping up that Dark Empire. Uh, saga mm-hmm. so, um the cloned emperor and and uh uber powerful luke skywalker and all that kind of stuff yeah um, but uh, yeah, I, I remember all good. these uh like i said like a broken record i went to the bookstore and definitely flipped through all those i remember yeah yeah um and this is uh you know this era in which dark horse is really picking up steam and releasing these star wars comics too i think right right yeah, yeah. And um, I have um, the only one that I'm like really familiar with here is the um, the Rogue Squadron books, uh, which launched here. Um, I have I have a f- I have like a few floppies, um, like single issues of those. And I always really liked um, I've talked plenty on this show about how I love the um, space combat stuff um and just like the the stories about the pilots and everything that's one of my favorite things about star wars so um you know like the rogue squadron stuff was always like super super cool to me and i would like occasionally pick up issues when i was at the comic shop um but i never had like a full run or anything like that but i did um when Marvel started releasing these epic collections of the old Dark Horse books, I did pick up the it's New Republic Volume Two, and it has um, issues one through sixteen of the ninety-five Rogue Squadron comic, and also some additional uh, Rogue Squadron Rogue Leader um, comics that were a little after that as well. But um, you can see, like, they center around. Uh, Wedge Antilles, and um, they're just really fun books to read. Just, um, you know, especially if you like the more recent, like, Marvel Poe Dameron series. Like, I think that's kind of the vibe that they were going for with that series. It's just like, you know, fighter jockeys out on missions, uh, you know, just doing the the, the dirty work and... Uh, flying around and stuff and uh a lot of really great covers i think the art still holds up pretty well um from these books and yeah they're a lot of fun 
Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, so that sounds like a good way to 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 read these um, Rogue Squadron comics uh, and that collection you have there. Um, also, I I would assume that they're on that uh, was it Marvel Unlimited app? Is that what it's called? Ooh, uh, I don't know that thing. That's it. That stuff's like so spotty. Like, oh, really? I mean, you. It's just like there may be some issues, but probably not a whole run. And oh. John, John, do you have a lot of the comics? No, no. Um, no, that's not really my my area. I, yeah, I, I I wanted all this stuff, but as far as being able to afford it all, <laughs> that was a yeah. struggle for me. Um, so I usually focused on the, the nonfiction books, but I did get into the comics. I think it was leading up to the Phantom Menace where they released a Star Wars comic with Kiati Mundy's backstory. Okay. Mm. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got in the, the run of the, the first Darth Maul comic series. Those are the okay. two I got into and bought. Nice. Later on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like to do the trade paperbacks when I can. Um, mm-hmm. It's single issues is is tough for me to keep up with. Um, Ryan picks up a lot of the single issues, though. Well, I have I have four of the most recent ones. I have um, subscriptions through Marvel, so I just get them mailed to me, and it's oh, okay. like it's way, way, way cheaper. It's like twenty five bucks for a year of a of a book, so it oh. averages out to like two bucks an issue. When, oh, nice. And since they have four dollar cover prices, like that's really nice. Um, but I just I've just had subscriptions going, but it's crazy. I was just in, um, I was at the Mile High Comics Superstore yesterday, and it's um, it's the largest comic book store in the nation, I believe, um, as, at least for like square foot. Um, but yeah, that's here in Denver and actually Mile High is where I used to order a lot of my comics from uh, back in the day, back in the 90s. And they have their um, their front case display. And that's where like all their super expensive um, books and art are. They have like some like an original um, Spider-Man page from Todd McFarlane in there. They have, um, you know, like um, early... Uh, early action comics, like early um, Amazing Spider-Mans. Like, this is the stuff that's like in the hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars stuff. And I was in there today. I always just glance through just to see what new arrivals they have in there. And they had um, the Dark Empire books in there. They had like a completely like mint set of those. Each of those books was going for over $100. Oh wow! And I, hmm. I mean, I remember seeing those on the racks back in the day, and like not really thinking anything of it. And I probably have a couple of them somewhere, but um, yeah, like the demand for those original Dark Horse books seems to really be going up these days. Well, I never knew that how valuable those older ones were. I didn't. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, cool. Well, uh, I guess last note on the comics, uh, frontier, I, I will be going to the comic book store, uh, once a week starting this week. Um, Jeff, I don't know if you saw, but Ryan and I are pretty excited about the, uh, the tales from Vader's castle uh, yes. comics that are coming out from <laughs> IDW. Um, and, uh, those are, those are happening uh, weekly here for the month of October. So I have a comic book store like half a mile away. I'm going to start going. <laughs> nice. you're, not, you're not buying the new, uh, the latest Vader comic series, John? I haven't been, no, uh uh-uh. I I have. Yep. It seems like there's a lot of good things said about it's those. It's good. People really it's like good. those. Yeah. yeah. I'm hearing good things about that, and, and the annual, too, is supposed to be pretty good, right, Ryan? 
I have it. I haven't read it yet, but oh, okay. there was a, again Jocasta New coming up again. The second oh. arc of the Vader comic um, revolved around Jocasta New, and it was pretty sweet. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Kenner, the biggest, most realistic force in the universe. Only the power of the Force brings you the biggest heroes and villains straight from the movies and the largest fleet of full-scale vehicles ever. We bring you the real movie detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder, the blazing lights of the Luke Skywalker lightsaber, and the big movie sounds of the X-Wing. When it comes to big size, big detail, and big movie sounds, now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the Force. Figures and vehicles each sold separately. Batteries not included, only from Kenner. Okay, let's get to the main event here. The main event for 1995, I think, is the power of the Force toy line coming back from, um, let's see, is it Kenner in 95? Uh, yeah, it was. still Kenner. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the power of the Force um, figures coming back. And, uh, you know, um, this is this is a would have been an era in which there were not really any Star Wars action figures coming out for probably 10 years. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, so let's see, 84, 80, Power of the Force of Vintage ended in 87, correct? Oh, okay, so close to 10 years then. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Um, but it, would, it had definitely been quite a bit of time um, since there had been It seemed like forever. It did yeah. seem like forever. Right, right. And so um, so the, the Power of the Force uh, Wave 1 comes out in 1995. Um, we've got Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, Vader, R2, 3PO, Ben, and a Stormtrooper in this line. And uh, these are, these are if you've, you know, you'll know them when you see them because they, they have a distinct <laughs> look, these, uh, these Power of the Force figures uh, from 95. Very bulky and, and huge uh, and beefy. Yeah, big guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jeff, <laughs> were you picking these up in 95 or is this something you came to later? Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, I didn't really know this was going on as far as the, the whole boom of Star Wars uh, things being released. And I started, I noticed them in 96. That's when I started buying. So I had to, I think maybe Wave 5 might have been coming out with uh, the Han and the Hoth gear. Okay. That wave with mm. the, uh, yeah. Nice. Death Star Gunner, I think it was in that wave. But um, yeah, so it was early 96, and that was in a. Um, I'm all with my wife, you know, walking to the food court. <laughs> and uh, remember KB Toys, guys? Oh, oh yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> so out of the corner of my eye, you know, sometimes I'll put a rack out actually into the into the walkway. Mm -hmm. separate. But um, the Star Wars logo caught my eye. And I looked over and I saw all these Star Wars action figures. I mean, what, what is going on here? Is this, you know, is this possible Star Wars action figures again? <laughs> and... So I'm looking at these and uh, talking to my wife. I go, wow, I used to really get into the figures. I had all the, I actually had the vintage at one time, a lot of them. And, you know, the typical story, sold them in a garage sale. I, don't know, I have no idea what my parents did to them. But um, anyways, uh, so I go, hmm, just for old time's sake, how about I just, can I, I'm just going to pick up one of these. And there's a Boba <laughs> Fett sitting there. Okay, so I'm like, oh, hey, this is great. You know, Go home and just uh, have this one extra figure and you know relive <laughs> my memories and went to the food court and a buy whatever we did i can't remember and on the way back it's like oh how about how about just one more just, just <laughs> so you, you didn't even get out of the mall before you bought a second one <laughs> yeah i'm like there's a Darth Vader sitting there that one was a really cool standing next to boba fett I think, right she's like okay okay whatever two action figures you dork you know <laughs> take them home and be happy and uh 
uh, the next weekend, yeah, I'm back at KB Toys with the shopping cart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just picking up everything. Because they actually had the, the time, the, all the other four waves there, except mm -hmm. for, now remember this, Leia. I think she was only mm -hmm. one per case. And I remember there being a, just people going crazy. That's when the price guys had her really, you know, yeah. looked like uh, maybe everything else in the, the wave would have been $8 and she was $20 in the price guys. Mm -hmm. Everybody was just, you know, in the flea markets or whoever were just gouging you for that price. If you ever, I went to flea markets too, trying to complete all mm -hmm. these waves. I didn't get everything at KB or at most of it. So mm -hmm. I had to have everything. I instantly became the completest. Which was just it's haunted me for my whole life. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so you were picking up so so early ninety six, you're you're cleaning up like you know, going back and getting all the figures released in ninety five. Right. Um and 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 starting a complete collection. Now do you have a complete I think you said you do have a complete collection of the Power of the Force figures from this time? I have a complete collection from everything released up into two thousand twelve. Wow. So I have every single action figure ever released, every figure from the deluxe packs, convention exclusives, uh, mail aways, mm. everything, guys. And sometimes uh, there'd be like a new ad that was released a while ago, and it had an exclusive figure in it. Mm -hmm. And well, I had to have it. So you know, I'd go on eBay and uh, I just the ground so I could find somebody selling on loose for 10, 12 bucks or whatever. And that's how I completed the collection that way as far as, cause I think that, you know, the ad, that was over a hundred dollars. So I'm not going to buy that just for the yeah. figure. Yeah. I was into the figures more than the vehicles. Okay. I did have the vehicles, uh, like the big four from uh, 95. Mm -hmm. It was the X-Wing, TIE Fighter, the ad at, and what was the, like you have a, there was a Falcon and a land speeder. Yeah. Right. Right. Land speeder. Yeah, I had actually I picked up those uh, sometime in ninety yeah six. And was it an ATST that was released before the ADAT, or was it ADAT first? Because I, I oh, think yep. the, the list I looked at was an ATST. My bad. Yep, ATST. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, that that's one thing I'm curious about. I don't have I I have a handful of loose Power of the Force figures from this time. You know, mm -hmm. um, I've got I've got a handful of them. And I've, I've kind of let my kids play with them and stuff. So uh, I'm not even sure exactly which ones I have, but I have some of them. Uh, I don't have anything approaching a complete collection. It, I don't have any of the vehicles and I think the vehicles look really cool from this time. So um, I was curious about that. So you say you do have like the X-Wing and the TIE fighter and stuff. Yeah. Do you I, have the Falcon? I did not. No, no, no Falcon. Okay. No, I didn't. Okay. I, yeah. I picked up a few of the vehicles at the very beginning there that I just kind of Focused on figures. Focused on figures, yeah, right. Yeah. And you keep them loose or do you keep them carded? Uh, they were all in individual baggies right now with their weapons, uh -huh. packed away in boxes. At one point, <laughs> I had a uh, room we're sitting in here before it became a, wor a workout room now. It's a treadmill for a second here. But um, about eight shelves, you know, let's see, like four levels high. And every single figure I had displayed from 95 to 2012 and what i did and which i don't think anybody else has ever did this i haven't heard anybody mention it, but i did it chronologically mm -hmm. i displayed them exactly how they came out way by wave oh wow so, so the first figure you'd see would be the you know the luke skywalker on the first shelf on the top and then 
just worked my way down until like 2012 was on the last shelf. Wow. And boy, wow. yeah. It's, <laughs> and you know what? I can't find my pictures, guys, and it's killing me. Oh. I don't know what happened to them, where I lost them. I have okay. pictures of my collection from up to 95 to 2000 in a closet. I'll have to send those to you sometime, what I had at that point. So. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I would love to see those. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask Ryan if you were picking these up at the time in 95. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, 1994, I think, was the was the year that turned me um, into like a complete collector nerd um, because 1994 was when um, Todd Toys launched uh, mm -hmm. later to be known as McFarland Toys, but sure. Todd Toys launched and um, put out the first wave of Spawn figures. And um, as I've mentioned many times, um, I love Spawn. Um, and it was like, that was my thing in 90, 94, 95. And so because of, um, you know, loving the comics Spawn and then like reading Wizard Magazine, um, like I found out about these figures and then, um, you know, I wanted to hunt down these, uh, these spawn figures. So like, um, I'd go to Toys R Us all the time. I'd have my, uh, my, uh, usually one of my parents or my grandma, uh, take me because I was in what, like seventh grade probably, um, mm -hmm. at the time. And, um, I also had like no, income at all like so it was just like an allowance and like doing chores so like every couple of weeks i'd get to go to like toys r us and like um you know toys r us and or the comic shop and i'd get like a couple comics and i'd get a spawn figure um and then 95 rolls around and um like this is when i'm starting to um you know get into star wars i'm reading reading the glove of darth vader <laughs> um <laughs> you know, watching, renting the movies, uh, and, um, and so, like, I, but I'm also reading Wizard Magazine, so, like, I know these figures are coming, and I'm already kind of, like, into the idea of, like, going and buying figures to display, which is, like, kind of, it's kind of weird at the time, because I had not really had action figures for a few years at that point. I'm in seventh grade, and, like, figures were something you played with as a kid but then suddenly there's these figures and people are like hey put them on your shelf right like put them on your dresser your nightstand like they look cool just have them sit there and like that was like a really radical concept at the time and uh, like don't just throw them in a sandbox and like let the dog chew on them like set them up they these look awesome they're like having like posters on your wall mm -hmm. um and so yeah, so I knew the Star Wars figures were coming. Um, my friend Mike and I were there on, like, <laughs> it wasn't really a day one. There was no, like, um, you know, Midnight Madness or anything, as, at least in our town, or at least that I knew of. Um, they were just, all of a sudden, one day in 1995, they were just there. And, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I mean, my friend Mike and I were just we were just on it like we um 
would pick up figures whenever we could and when we could afford them. Um, in our town, I remember I actually found a Leia really easily. Um, and I got a Leia right away. Um, the one that was really hard for me to find, um, just because, like, you know, there were only a handful of stores I had access to with without, like, a car <laughs> or anything. Um, there was, like, an Osco, which was, like, a drugstore um, that I could ride my bike to. And then, like, if my, um, you know, my family would go to, like, Target or Kmart or Walmart or... Um, or when I'd get to go to Toys R Us, um, I only had a few stores I had access to. So I was limited by those stocks and there was, you know, no eBay or anything at this time. So um, what I couldn't find for the longest time was a C-3PO. And, mm. um, and what was so great about that being the figure that, um, that I couldn't find, it was like, it was months it was literally months trying to like, I was like well into 96 when I finally found a three PO figure and it was literally like striking gold because like, it, it was just so <laughs> perfect because he's like this shiny gold thing sitting on the rack. And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, and that was, that was really exciting. Um, I also remember um, hunting for the, uh, the Boba Fett and the Lando in the second wave, those were really hard to find in our area. And like, um, and you know, the only other person I knew who was collecting these in the same area was my friend, Mike. So when he got a Lando, I was like, well, I guess I'm not getting a Lando <laughs> anytime <laughs> soon. Cause you bought the one in our town. Like, so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just, it was so fun. We were, um, you know, always him and I were trying to always trying to find different ways to like display, um, our figures. We were like building shelves ourselves with like wood that we'd find around. <laughs> like, it doesn't sound like you, Ryan. That's <laughs> Star well, Wars it's changed like, you. <laughs> a little bit made me a handyman. That's why I have Ryan, you mentioned uh, the thrill of the hunt. Boy, do I know all about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as that time and uh miles and gas i i used trying to find all these figures Just yeah <laughs> and it would get much more insane once i was like had a job and a car and stuff that's when you're like waiting at walmart's at like <laughs> at one in the morning just waiting for the employees to unload the the door. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> watching them unload and open boxes that's what it gets really weird but um yeah it's a great time i mean sadly um my star wars collection like i went up through uh revenge of the sith i was there i didn't have a complete collection but um i'd buy basically the figures i'd want um up through revenge of the sith and then uh when i when I moved to Japan in uh, 2007, I sold all of my uh, figures, all of my figures across like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, Sp Spawn, comics, like DC, Marvel figures, everything um, before moving to Japan because I didn't, I couldn't take them with me um, and I could use the money. But um, since then, I've kind of like rebuilt my collection starting with... Um, 
Force Awakens, and uh, so it's a it's a shadow of its former self, but I still do love um, the experience of going out and collecting figures. Well, yeah, collecting the figures, just seeing the figures, just hit a certain chord with me as far as uh, you know, taking me back to my youth. But the problem was, is once I caught up with all the Star Wars figures that I needed, I wanted something more. I want like I still had that thirst for other things, and I actually have a you're not going to believe this guy. It's a complete collection of the Babylon 5 action figures. Oh. Those the Babylon 5 TV show. Yeah. I have them all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those are all still in there. Yeah. You know, I bought the <laughs> Battlestar Galactica reboot of the line at that time. And I bought all those. Ooh, I have. I remember those ones. I have the Battlestar Galactica mini vehicles. <laughs> the, I also have that. I have all the Battlestar Galactica ones. Yeah. <laughs> huh. All kinds of stuff. Uh, what else was there? Uh, yeah, just buying Batman figures. I didn't even. I'm not sure why I even bought you know, those things. <laughs> just once, once you got yeah. into the habit of buying yeah, toys just, and, just, and yeah, the thrill, the hunt, and all that stuff, you couldn't let it go like when you were yeah. complete. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, now it's really bad because um, my like my wife has like started. You know, we like when we go to stores. Like I always go to the toy aisle, and she started like going as well in the past couple of years. So she started collecting Marvel Legends figures. And now um, she's actually getting into collecting wrestling figures. Yes. <laughs> which nice. is like a really dangerous road to go down. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. And we don't even have room for this stuff. Some of the stuff goes straight into boxes and into our <laughs> storage unit. But it's like it's when you're in that moment, it's, oh, it's so hard to resist. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, I have a couple questions for you then. Uh, as far as the power of the force, like this early wave of power of the force figures, um, being somebody who has all of the star Wars figures from, you know, 95 to 2012, uh, and more, um, how do these hold up to you? Like what's your kind of opinion on, on these figures now? I mean, are they some of your favorites? Are you, you know, these first initial waves definitely uh, have a special place in my heart for these. I know a lot of people are down on them because of the, you know they're buffed up because you know they were they released these these first few ways for kids to play with. So I see where they were going with as far as you know having them all muscular and ripped and everything. It, it made sense to me mm -hmm. as far as uh, collecting collectors wanting to collect them. Yeah, the quality isn't there. Uh, you know, an articulation that came after. But I love these figures. I mean, they're my favorites actually because it just it's kicked off the whole you know collecting thing for me again. And yeah, I love them. Yeah, and I think the fact that they—I mean—they do look sort of maybe uh, ridiculous is a little harsh, but I mean they're they're very stylized interpretations of you know the Star Wars characters. And uh, if you're looking for screen accuracy and authenticity and right. stuff, like these aren't exactly the figures for that. But at the same time, you know, uh, what would it be like? You know, twenty three years removed here from these figures coming out. Um, it, it's it, it, to me, it's all about how, how they represent that era. You know, mm -hmm. and they're very representative of that time and place, and you know the memories we have with uh, with with being a Star Wars fan at that time. So, um, you know, I wasn't chasing them down at this time like you guys were. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I had those memories myself. But mm -hmm. um, but even without that, to me, it's just like I, I love these figures just because they. Uh, like I said, they just they they have a very unique uh, look and feel, and it's totally tied to this era of Star Wars um, when Star Wars was really coming back in a big way. And I think that's that's really cool. So, 
Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, the other thing that's interesting about these, I'm looking at, I put a photo in the notes here that I think I got from, from rebel scum, uh, just so I could look at these as we we're talking about them. And, uh, the, I know that these figures were initially released with these like super long lightsabers and then they, they kind of, um, put it, put them out with shorter versions. So, um, that, that's pretty cool. Like Jeff, do you have some of the, that's, the, that's, that's when collecting got weird, right? The variations. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happened pretty quick. Yeah. With the lightsaber. Um, no, I do not have all the small variations. Okay. I, I didn't hunt down all those. So, Which, but, but in, in 96, were they already down to the shorter lightsabers at that point, you know, or, or were they? Ryan, do you remember that? That one, Ooh. I don't remember when they actually had the changeover from the, the length. I would look think so. Long. so. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're like, crazy. the sabers are like, like Luke's saber is as tall, like taller than him. Taller than him. Yeah. yeah I, I definitely have the short versions cause they came yeah. out later. So yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, even that makes sense though, because Jeff, you were saying like they look like toys you'd play with, and they look like they were designed. They were designed with play Super, in mind, like superheroes, buffed up. That's what mm -hmm. Yeah, and but a, a longer, a longer lightsaber speaks to that too. You know, because if I've yeah. got my figures and I want them to be fighting with their lightsabers and everything, like you know, that longer saber, it's easier to kind of clash those. And um, but I bet I bet they broke a little more easily too. Um, mm -hmm. I would guess so. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, one last thing on this um, on this initial wave of the figures, I think it was like this, as we've talked about before, and like you mentioned, it's a sign of the times. I think th these were like the perfect way to bring these figures back. I think if they had gone with like the kind of like stiff, just like straight upright um, Kenner designs of the you know the vintage wave like i think those would have sold well to like vintage fans but i think during this time 1995 like you had to have something like a little bit dynamic um you know especially following the launch of like the the spawn toys um and then you know like marvel would do like their like animated x-men waves and um you know, like all these figures that were hitting the shelves were like these really dynamic, like cool, actiony uh, designs to them. And I think that's this was like a really going this design route was like a really smart call um, by you know everyone at at Lucas um, to make it like make these appealing in this time period. And I think it's the same way that. Um, you know, the the comic art uh, in, like, the Dark Horse books of this era was, you know, it was on the level of, you know, the comic art coming out of DC and Marvel and Image. Um, and it, it was, like, they look like 90s comic books. Um, but if they had gone, it would have, they didn't decide to go, like, the nostalgic route. Like, they didn't go with, like, the 70s, marvel look for the comics and the same thing with like the galaxy trading cards like using the the hottest um you know comic artists of the time period and making these like crazy like new interpretations of um of these characters like i think what was really smart about the way they brought star wars back at this time was it wasn't just a nostalgia trip like, it was like, hey, Star Wars is cool and relevant now. It's, like, as cool as Spawn or Batman or, you know, anything else. 
that's happening right now. Like it's Star Wars is forever. It's modern. Um, it's not just this thing that like your parents watched in the seventies. Like, um, and I, I don't know, like if it would, it could have been very different if they would have gone like a straight nostalgia route. Like, I don't know if I would have been as drawn to this stuff in like the mid nineties as I was. And I don't know if it would have brought me back into Star Wars in the same way. You know what? Uh, this is just my opinion, but I don't think they knew the gold mine they were sitting on. I know the vintage was a gold mine and then it kind of died off. Yeah. At that point, before this line came out, he did vintage for hardly anything. I mean, the, the, the man wasn't there. I absolutely believe that they released these for kids. Mm. Like you said, stylized that way. Yeah, I don't think they had any idea that it was going to be people my age mm-hmm. going and buying them right from the get go. So they, you know, absolutely changed their the way they, that you know, the, the way they looked at everything as far as uh, going away from that to meet the collector's demands. Yeah, on, I mean, honestly, that's probably something they inadvertently created by not really providing you know content and and product for so long you know in between the trilogies uh or i guess not in between the trilogies but in between you know 86 87 when everything really slowed down and you know the the mid 90s when they started ramping things up again i mean if you were a star wars fan um who grew up playing with star wars toys in in the 70s and 80s and then you know there was just nothing for 10 years uh and then you see that stuff on the shelf again it's like um, it's going to be a, a bigger deal than, you know, if they had been consistently releasing Star Wars toys all that time, you know, I don't know that you would have freaked out at that KB like you did, Jeff, you know, um, but, <laughs> mm. but with, with the absence of them for so long. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you're right. I mean, I'm sure they, they made them for kids and then were surprised to see that so many, um, you know, grown um, fans were, were excited about them too. But uh, I guess um, it all worked out, uh, even if it probably wasn't necessarily <laughs> the plan yeah. at the time on their on their part. Out of Star Wars and into your hand. It's an exclusive Kenner action figure. Han Solo disguised as a stormtrooper. Free with two proofs from Kellogg's Fruit Loop cereal. May the force And you know what? Uh, we haven't talked about the mail-ins yet, but I think those kind of speak to the fact that these are marketed and, and produced for kids too, right? So there was the Han Solo stormtrooper um, that you could mail in. What proof of purchase from... Um, cereal boxes kellogg's cereal boxes to get a han solo stormtrooper fruit loops to be yeah oh was it fruit loops Loops, yeah okay nice Mm. nice uh and i did have one of those i do remember getting that uh and that was cool Uh, for some reason i was thinking it was luke and han but uh but it was Han. just han was is there i mean i'm sure there was a luke stormtrooper uh figure in the line at some point yeah yeah yep okay 96 or 97 I remember, yeah, but um, the mail away, I was really excited about that too because uh, I actually mailed away for it. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm not sure how long that mail away was available, but it still was in early '96 because I remember picking up the box and uh, getting the proof of purchases, mailing it away. And I remember going to that mailbox every day for about three or four weeks. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, as on my mind, uh, after work every day, I got to get to the mailbox, see if it's there. But actually, see, here he is. Oh, oh yeah. Right nice. Yeah. There he is. Wow. It, it came in like a plain white box. Right? Plain white box, right. Yeah. I remember, I remember getting, I, I can vaguely remember the day it finally came, and then you open it up, and there was like the figure in, the, in just like a wrapper in the white box. Yeah, just a plastic wrapper, right? Yeah. It's very, very generic. Right? Yeah. And I... Uh, 
but it was it was exciting to you know because I mailed away for things when I was a kid, and mm -hmm. to have to do that again was pretty pretty exciting. Yeah. I wish they would bring that back. Um, I really wish they would bring that back. Remember yeah. the um, uh, was it Mace Windu? Uh -huh. The mail away was that a mail away? I think that was like the pre the episode one preview figure that came in like the square box. Yeah, that, I remember. Um, it was him and a stamp, right? That you could buy, like in '98, I think, uh, or maybe it was. Yeah, I think it was '98. It was a preview figure. Not, yeah, right. I'm not yeah. sure how you got those. I don't remember actually. I, I think you're right, Jeff. I don't know. I, now I don't remember for sure either. I know the stamp. I think you could buy at the store. But I want to yeah. say that Mace Windu was a mail away. I remember um, because I mailed away for four of them. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was in, it was inexpensive to to acquire them to prove the purchases. So I just you know yeah yeah you got a bunch yeah <laughs> yeah nice, nice. Um, and uh, you know we don't want to forget to mention the spirit Obi Wan that was from the, the Lay's potato chips mail away I believe right mm. um, and that's a cool looking figure uh, as well I don't have one of those but um, he, he looks pretty. Pretty cool. Um, so I think I picked yeah that one up at a flea market uh, at uh, some point. Okay, nice. But uh, Ryan, you said uh, you were always going to the stores and you couldn't find figures. Was the flea market not an option for you, or places like that to maybe pay a couple dollars more than you normally would? Because yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I I did go to um, flea markets. Like my uh, my family would go occasionally. Um, mine never really had figures. I remember getting video games at the flea market, like n old Nintendo games, but I never remembered there being figures. Like I remembered there being like boots that would have like the old, like GI Joe dolls, like the really big ones. Um, and, but like it, when, when I was like an adult, I would definitely go to flea markets and um, for Star Wars figures and stuff. I'd go, just go there myself. But um, as as a kid, I don't remember ever seeing the the figures there, at least in the ones we would go to. I remember as early as, uh, you know, early 96, the people that would have their little booths at the flea markets were, you know, at the stores when they opened, buying everything they mm. could, you know, and the scalping started real early. yeah collecting phase right, right right there because i remember i had the I, if i could find some a couple dollars more than retail that was okay with me to, yeah you know, with the collection at the time you know then i kicked myself you know i find it at the store two days later right yeah so i was happy <laughs> <laughs> yep i still do that for like variant covers of comics <laughs> on ebay i'm like well it's only three dollars more than cover yeah. price like i'll just get it because <laughs> i really want this cover yeah <laughs> i didn't like supporting uh you know scalpers or guys at flea markets uh, that's where you, yeah. you see the layout going for twenty dollars which is yeah just yeah i would see that at like my comic shop a bit like i'd see the markups there right. um so i never really bought the figures there i would always I, always just try to find them at the stores and that's still kind of my philosophy like for figures um i'm like well there's enough targets around here like if i'm looking for something i'll find it eventually like i don't need to overpay <laughs> yeah i only did that for a couple of years i yeah i got to the point where i didn't want to you know, like i said support that kind of thing so. yeah yeah okay um, well, yeah, obviously, uh, like a, a huge milestone in Star Wars fandom here is the Power of the Force uh, Star Wars toys coming out again in 95. So um, very big deal and one that will continue 
uh, throughout the 90s. I guess I should mention real quick, too, uh, my, my little Power of the Force um, uh, story before we move on to a couple other things and, and wrap up here. Um, I didn't have, you know, too many of these figures at the time, but uh, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before, but uh, my friend Chris um, in, in the mid-2000s hosted a couple of big-time to us uh, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit tournaments in which we'd all pay like an entry fee and he'd collect a couple hundred dollars and uh, he would use it to buy like food, but also prizes. And um, he, he, he's, he's the best. Chris is the best. He, he makes, a, he makes a, an amazing event out of this when he does it. And... Um, he really gets a kick out of getting like a fantastic prize and then not, but nobody knows what it is. And, uh, so <laughs> I remember for that one, um, you know, uh, he, um, uh, my friend Dan, who's been on the show many times, uh, Dan, Dan won the, the, the contest that day. And then he walked us all into this bedroom in his house and, uh, set up in this room was a, not a totally complete, but I would say a 90% complete collection of the power of the force figures, um, from throughout the nineties. So Jeff, you would probably know, like, uh, it started in 95. How long did the power of the force line run? Um, probably until they had the, see, they had the orange cards and the green cards, I believe. Mm -hmm. was, it, mm -hmm. was it two, yeah. was three? Probably up until just like when the Phantom Menace line was going to start. Right. I would think. Yeah. That's what I believe. Yeah. That's a good question. Surprised so, I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah. But I mean, we, we walked into this room and there was just like, you know, 80 or a hundred, I don't know how many figures, but action figures like in, in carded, you know, just lined up on the floor and along the wall and everything. And it was like, Oh, this is what you, this is what you win now for, for <laughs> this is your prize for winning this, this tournament. And it, my mind was blown, oh, especially yeah. because, you know, I had the chance <laughs> to win it and I didn't. <laughs> so um, It was amazing. But so, so that was, that was a pretty, that's a big memory for me with this line of figures. It's just walking into this room and seeing them all displayed there and, being uh, happy for my friend Dan and also being uh, disgusted with myself for, <laughs> for not pulling it out and winning. Um, Cause that would be, you, know, you could have those hanging in up. This room. Oh, oh, they'd be, they'd be hanging up. That's for sure. Yeah. So you, you knew that that was the prize before the contest. I think I actually did, but I don't think anybody else did. Cause I kind of helped Chris <laughs> set things up a little bit. I didn't know until the day, but I think I got there a little early to help him like set, set up like decorations and stuff. And he was like, oh, hey, come check this out. And I was like, Oh my God. That, yeah, that so. changed the whole way. Um, as far as did it make you a little bit more nervous answering the question, I <laughs> <laughs> may forget a few things you shouldn't have. <laughs> it, yeah, it might have. <laughs> Stakes were too high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm pretty good at Star Wars trivia, at least within our group of friends. Um, and uh, I've never won one of these tournaments. And I, <laughs> I get a lot of heat for that, like for being a choke artist, basically, because yeah. uh, I've almost won a couple times and then I fall apart. So you know, Jeff, it could have been knowing that <laughs> that prize was <laughs> down the hall that uh, that that did that. I think we actually have video. I should try to dig it up. I think we have video of, of of us, our whole group, walking into that room and seeing those toys there for the first time. Um, so I'll, I'll have to try to track those down. I have it on VHS tape somewhere. Nice. I don't know if I have it digitized or not. I gotta I gotta look for that. So quite a generous uh, prize, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, yep. And that that's very much him. He's a super generous guy, and uh, and he loves to uh, to uh, you know kind of make other people's uh, year. I would say in that case, <laughs> <laughs> you know. That kind of stuff. So, you know, it's not it's not a thing where he's like buying it and thinking, um, you know, seventy five percent chance I'm keeping this for myself. Um, that's that's not how he 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 really loves to to make people happy with that stuff. So it was it was a great thing. 
The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. Darth Vader leads an evil empire towards universal domination. Join a brave rebellion with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can you stop the empire? Star Wars Power of the Force Collection from Kenner. All right, well, let's let's change direction here. We, we have uh, not too much time left, but we got to talk about a couple of games and, and other things that came out in, in 95. Um, so basically two video games, um, big releases in 95, which were Dark Forces and Rebel Assault 2. So let's start with Dark Forces. Ryan, you kind of want to take the lead on this one? Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, this game came out, I was a... Uh, uh, Doom had come out in uh, December of 93, um, and kind of changed, um, you know, like wh- how we thought about um, PC video games and video games in general. It was like really kind of like one of those cultural zeitgeist and all of a sudden, like, hey, first person shooter is now a genre. And actually, um, it wasn't even called first person shooter at the time. Um, everyone referred to these kind of games as Doom clones. And because uh, there was no other... <laughs> There was no other term because Doom didn't invent the the genre. There had been other shooters, including its own uh, Wolfenstein, but they popularized it and brought it to like the mainstream in Doom, um, which was a like it was controversial. It was fun. It was like the graphics were amazing at the time. Like um, it was just like a perfect storm. Um, and so um, one of the um, one of the earlier Doom clones was um, Dark Forces, and it came out um, essentially like a little over a year after Doom, and it was a Star Wars-themed uh, first-person shooter. And um, I didn't actually own the game for years, but I remember getting a demo, um, a demo on like a 3.5-inch uh, floppy disk from... I think it was like PC Gamer magazine. Um, and I got that demo and installed it on um, my family's PC. And I just like, I was blown away by Dark Forces when it when it came out. Um, you know, there was like, there was voice acting in it. Um, it like the stormtroopers looked like stormtroopers. It had all these Star Wars weapons and music. And uh, it was... It was really fun too. Um, so going back and playing it now, I got it on uh, Steam, um, and it's like five dollars on there now. And it like runs on modern PCs. It will run on just about anything. Um, and going back and playing it now, um, I still think it's really fun. Um, like the the level designs are kind of hard to figure out, um, like figure out where you're supposed to go sometimes, but like it moves so fast and um, it still has that like Star Wars feel to it that um, it's just, it's just a lot of fun to play now. Um, It's very like Twitch and arcade style. um, And uh, the production values are just really, really good um for the time period but i love like i only played through the first couple missions um recently but um the first mission um you play as kyle carton um who is a character created for um i've got to correct you 
I've got a credit. It's Kyle Katarn. Katarn. <laughs> Kyle Katarn. Katarn. Okay. Yes. Um, That's tantamount to producing or uh, pronouncing uh, Dash Rendar's name incorrectly, Ryan. Dash Render? Remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the most beloved uh, EU um, figures, Kyle. Kyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here. Kyle um, he. Uh, he. Uh, he basically pulls a Rogue One and steals the Death Star plans in um, in the first mission of the game, which is uh, pretty epic, um, especially at the time. Um, you know the way it, it fit into like the greater canon. A lot um, of Dianogas in that mission, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, hmm. am, I, am I thinking of the wrong? I'm pretty I sure. think so. No, 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 no. You're okay. Whatever. Okay, that's fine. It's up for debate. I think <laughs> okay. there's some Dianogas in that game. In, there, in yeah, I don't think it's there in the first mission though. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> it's just a bunch of stormtroopers. Um, mm. Second mix mission is when uh, Kirk's Medine defects. Mm. So this is the moment where he, uh, we, we all know that he is a, he was an Empire. Uh, 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 I don't remember what position he held in the empire, but he was a, he was like a captain something. Um, but he, he defects to the rebels and uh, you like the, your mission is tied into his defection. Um, and that's, uh, that's pretty cool um, going back now. So yeah, I think the game's still fun, still holds up. I like did a ton at the time. I still, um, still have a, uh, a place in my heart for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good game. I've I've uh, played um, a fair amount of it recently on either PS3 or PS4. I think um, I can't remember where. PS3. I played it. PS3. Yeah. Okay. PS1 games aren't on PS4. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I I played uh, a fair amount of it on on PS1, and that, that's the version that I I like because uh, um, I'm not a mouse and keyboard gamer uh, mm. at all. So I I tried to play this on Steam recently, and I was like, wait, I can't use my controller. Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> I didn't really go for it. But um, but it is a fun game, and and uh, yeah, I think it still holds up. Um, Jeff, I I think you said you're not super into the games, right? So my we're, we're Star Wars, yeah, my Star Wars gaming experience starts one year later. Oh, okay. The, uh, Shadows, Shadows of the Empire. Of the Empire. Oh, oh yes. yes. <laughs> nice. I don't think I've ever played any game more in my life. <laughs> oh, <laughs> NFL sports games and all that kind of thing. But this one, yeah, number one. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to talk about that one in 96 for, <laughs> for sure. sure. Um, other, uh, the other, the other release, though, um, was uh, Rebel Assault 2, um, also on PC. Um, and this one did come to PlayStation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is PC game, right, Ryan? Yep. Rebel Soul yep. 2? Yeah. Um, so this is like a live action footage game. Um, it's pretty crazy, actually, um, to go back. And I, uh, I I tried to play a little bit of this, too, and then I ended up just watching a lot of footage on, on YouTube of this one. But, <laughs> yeah. um, man, it's like a it's like a, a Star Wars fan film meets interactive video game thing. It's really weird, uh, but but pretty cool, actually, I think. Yeah. Um, the story is a little maybe the story and the and the acting is a little you know it doesn't quite it's sort of like off-brand star wars i think you'd say a little it's, bit fan film is the perfect way to describe it yeah 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 um but visually it's it's pretty impressive especially for the time um it was made by factor five and uh and they they have made some incredible star wars games very uh impressive technically um star wars games so um but it, it's very much like 
you know, 30 second cutscene, then like some loading time, then all of a sudden you <laughs> are controlling uh, this, this person, you know, in this interactive, it feels like an interactive cutscene almost is like how yeah. the gameplay is. What's the technical terminology I'm not using here, Ryan, that I should be using? Like, how do you describe this game? Um, I like <laughs> it's, it really is just those, um, FMV games yeah. from the time period, like I don't know, Mad Dog McCree or um, any any of those, um, where yeah, you're just um, basically on PC. You're just like basically clicking your mouse around. Um, there's a little bit more control in the. They adapted the controls a bit to the the PlayStation version. Um, but yeah, it's like it's not like an adventure game where you can just go move anywhere. You're on like a very linear path. Like it's it's kind of like almost like a light gun game in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, like House of the Dead or something. Yeah. Um, where you're just like on this very um, strict path, but you like have movements like a small range of movement. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's funny too because like it's it's clearly the the actors were shot against the green screen, um, and then you know rather than build sets or something, they've got these like 1995 3D rendered backgrounds that look um, interesting. I mean, they, sometimes yeah. they look okay, and sometimes they just look <laughs> like so you know blocky and polygonal and just like I don't know. It's it's a really weird vibe, like a full motion you know, video actors against these like very uh, rudimentary kind of 3D backgrounds. It, it's 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 a compelling looking thing. It's it's definitely uh, and I'll take you back to 95 as well, for sure. You have a copy of it there, Ryan? Yeah, I actually have um, Dark Forces and Rebel Assault 2 came out on PlayStation around the same time. Mm-hmm. I think it was I think they may have came out in like late 95, early 96. Okay. And they're both uh, custom PlayStation editions. Oh, um, you hold you that up see. a little higher there. Yeah. Um, it's a little higher. Okay. okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> so they're custom PlayStation editions. They have this little badge on there. And that's just like they adjusted the controls to go from like PC controls to, um, you know, the PlayStation controller, which was like fairly limited compared to a PC. Uh-huh. Um, so that this was actually a big deal because they came out exclusively on playstation after their pc releases um so that was like another big get for sony um at this at this time um Uh, cool cool yeah i love those giant cd cases that's making me want to get on ebay and track down copies of those games actually oh they're the giant are they really yeah but these are like dirt cheap um (laughs) so yeah I'm probably not going to pop them into an actual PlayStation to play, but I'd I'd, I'd like to have copies. You can play of them on your PS3. There. No, I can't. Okay. No. No, because only the okay. We don't have to talk about it now, but only the launch PS3s had backwards compatibility with no, PS1. No, um, all PS3s play PS1 games. Oh, it's PS2 that they don't have compatibility. All right, whatever. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, both both good games um, from '95. Uh, sort of, you know, products of their time. A little bit. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, they're they're maybe a little bit tough to go back and play, but they're they're pretty cool. So yeah, um, um, I would say for Rebel Assault Two, definitely listen to the Blast Points episode on that game. They go like super deep. They actually contact people involved with the game uh-huh. um, to talk about it. 
um, that is a that is a really great episode of Blast Points. That's where acquired uh, listening every week. Blast Points for yeah. sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah right. I love those guys. We'll have to. One I'll thing, have to try to link to that in the show notes. One uh, one thing you know I have to talk about, but it's interesting. It says the first in universe Star Wars footage to be shot since Return of the Jedi was in yes. Rebel Assault. So that's, yeah, that must have been kind of exciting for you know buying a game and being able to know you're going to see new footage. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, and that's from the uh, the year by year book um, that right. I was pointed out, and yeah, that's really uh, that is that is. Well, you're probably, talking about the green screen, everything, so obviously, yeah, it was new footage. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and some of it, like I said, some of it looks really good, like the screenshot here in the book of the stormtrooper in in the hallway there. That like I think that looks pretty good, actually. You know, for not being a, a set and for it being a 3D render, like it looks pretty decent. But then there's other parts where it's <laughs> it looks a little crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think I you know I remember playing it on the PlayStation in probably '96 and feeling like, wow, this is actually kind of incredible. I feel like I'm playing a movie right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole Night Trap, Sega CD, like PlayStation type, you know, FMD thing, like you said, it, it definitely had that feel. Yeah, um, it's funny. It's funny. Uh, like you said, going back and at the time realizing how great you thought this was at the time. You know, right. when you look back and the what we have now compared to what we have now, it's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, okay, so we will start to wrap up here, but um, there's another major, major release from 95 that we haven't talked at all about, and it's such a big deal and such a big part of my Star Wars fandom, so we got to spend at least a couple minutes talking about the THX VHS slash Laserdisc uh, re-releases of the Star Wars trilogy. These were huge for me. Like This is like probably the thing i know for maybe a lot of people like the power of the force was the thing that jump-started the star wars fandom again but for me this is it uh, these these thx releases like were huge 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 for me so um same for you guys jeff was it a big deal for you to get these uh thx oh, much as i like to figure this is definitely you know the most important thing I mean, these are the movies yeah this is definitely the most exciting thing about 95 yeah absolutely yeah, and I mean, they, it's not that they weren't available on VHS before this, but there was something about the marketing push. And, you know, honestly, I think the interviews with George Lucas with Leonard Malton before the movies too. Um, but there was just something where it was like Star Wars was back, you know, and, and, and re-releasing them this way on VHS was, was huge. For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it, for the very first time. The Star Wars Trilogy. Three timeless adventures that changed movie making forever. Now, the entire trilogy, digitally mastered in THX, for the ultimate in sound and picture quality. This will be your last chance to own the original version of Star Wars, the George Lucas masterpiece that launched the Star Wars trilogy. The Force is forever, for all generations. The original Star Wars trilogy on video. 
one last time. What's, what's uh, interesting about the Lucas interview is, is he, it, was a lot, it was a different time. It seemed like he was a little bit more open mm-hmm. as far as um, you know, the discussion, <laughs> as for details and information he would talk about. Uh, he would actually he'd just uh, be very forthcoming and just give you information he didn't even ask about. He'd just kind of go off and I thought that was interesting because it's completely different now, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, the thing is too, like I went back and watched these interviews, uh, this morning actually, uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube, the, the Leonard Malton interviews. And it's interesting too, because the way he talks about star Wars, um, it, I, I can hear like my own view of star Wars and what he's saying. And I don't mean that in the sense of like George Lucas and I think alike, we're both great thinkers. I mean that in the sense that like I watched these interviews so many times that it shaped the way I view star Wars, like hearing George Lucas talk about it this way, you know, when he's talking about, well, it's a three act structure. And in the second act, you know, when he's talking about empire, you put all your heroes against the the worst things they could. And and that's screenwriting and storytelling and whatever. But like that was cemented into my brain hearing him say that and him talking in the return of the Jedi interviews about how, you know, well, this is saga is really Anakin, uh, you know, the story of, of Darth Vader's redemption. And then the prequels, we're going to learn about his, his, uh, his story leading up to that and everything it's and in the, in the six movies together are kind of the story of Anakin Skywalker. Um, that stuff is just all so, I don't know. It just made such a big impression on me at the time. Um, because it was, you know, the guy who created this talking about it and how it was conceived and how it was produced. But also because I think I just watched these VHS tapes so many times, um, that I heard these interviews so many times. So, um, and shout out to the set. The set is incredible. If you go back and watch those interviews, it's like a dark room and they have these like probably like translucent curtains uh, hanging there, but with like the little white lights, it looks like a star field kind of around there. Um, I love George Lucas's like gray sport coat and black turtleneck. That's also mm-hmm. really great too. So um, yeah, those interviews are fantastic. Yeah. You know, this, uh, you say this is the way kind of how it shaped how you uh, view Star Wars. Um, for me, I, I agree with that too, but the other big one for me was the making of Star Wars in 1977. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a release. I'm just being a little kid and being able to see that, so that was that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I have a uh, man. I wish I'd pulled it out, but I have a copy of that on VHS that I think would have been released around the same time as this, if I'm not mistaken, because it has the the similar. Um, I'll, I'll hold up. I, I pulled out my laser discs. I, I did end up getting these on laser disc um, mm-hmm. sometime in the 2000s. So here, yeah. this is one of them. Uh, I love the, the art is fantastic on these, I think. And again, like Ryan, it's like it's not just playing on the nostalgia like you were talking about with the power of the force toys, mm-hmm. but it's like an updated, you know, modern at the time uh, presentation of, you know, these movies. Um, technologically um or technically i guess with with the the remastered thx version of the movies but also with the the marketing and the art and all that stuff um but yeah i have a copy of the making of star wars uh, that i think uses this kind of art style um so it probably was released around that time too i don't know if it was a bonus um or was it that the VHS tape, if you bought the the if you bought all three of them, maybe that was the only way you could buy them. Is you bought all three together, and did they come with mm-hmm. the making of Star Wars too, as a fourth tape? I'm not remembering now. I don't know. I there's a box set. There's a box set. Was it ninety two that had that included with it? Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. 
I should have I should have pulled that out to to look at here uh, or to have. But okay, maybe that's the case then, Jeff. That sounds right. You want to know what I think the most interesting thing about this release is? I remember the marketing for the last time. It was uh, almost like they were trying to scare you. Yes. <laughs> the last time you could ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, took this, I took the sticker <laughs> off one of the packages and put it on here on my, because I've got these in like a. They, you know, they were actually mind. right. They were actually right until uh, 2006 when I included the uncut DVD mm -hmm. version. Mm -hmm. the, but yeah. uh, as far as this version, guys, um, you know, it's the first time that I ever got to see it in a widescreen presentation and mm -hmm. seeing things off to the side that you never see before. And one of the scenes in particular that always stood out to me was uh, when Luke was looking down at the, uh, the Tusken Raiders in the, on the Bantha. Oh, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's, you know, I, I can't remember his direct quote. It was, oh, there's one there. Mm -hmm. But originally you couldn't see that, you know, all my life watching the VHS tapes. But now it's expanded, and you see the actual Bantha with a Tusken Raider on it, right before the other Tusken Raider starts coming after Luke, you know, with the, with the, with the stick. So, oh, nice. Things like yeah. that, like uh, Jabba's Palace, the creatures off to the side, um, especially in the cantina, you see things that you just never saw before, which is really cool. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, that's in in the like mid two thousands is when I tracked down these laser discs. Um, and, and it was because of the whole, like, you know, see it for the last time or, or whatever you want to say. Um, it was, uh, the best possible way at that time to watch these, these movies. Um, mm -hmm. it still kind of is honestly, cause the DVD set, um, is, is not really the preferred way. I don't think because it doesn't have the THX like kind of remaster and, and improved like video and sound and all that stuff. So, um, it kind of is, you know, at least if you want to do it legally, uh, the best way to watch these, um, if you if you want to see the original pre special edition version, so yeah, um, not that I do that very often, but it's cool to have them. And and like I said, I just love the art too, so it's it's great to have them on laser disc. Was the uh, was the chuckle for the Harmies edition? What's that? Was the chuckle there for the Harmies edition? Where you said the legally? Oh, oh. No, no, I wasn't thinking of that specifically, but yeah, oh. <laughs> I just know you know that you can you can grab them uh, probably in a lot of different you know ways. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah. Um, so super, super exciting time. Um, you know, I think without these THX re-releases, uh, I don't know that I would be sitting here doing a power of the nineties podcast, <laughs> looking back at how much I love star Wars in the nineties. You know, I think this is, this is kind of a, a big deal. And, and those Leonard Maltin interviews, I will, I, I will love them forever, you know? And, and I watched them again this morning, like I said, and there's really, in some ways there's a lot of substance in some ways there's not, they're like six minutes long and, and they're, mm -hmm. you know, some of the, some of the questions are pretty pretty basic honestly but yeah. um but they're just i just love them so much i don't know yeah and you can easily watch those on youtube now oh um, yeah that's how i watched them again recently um, yep 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 so, so that's cool cool uh okay well a couple things just uh final things to wrap up here um ryan you put this in the notes and this is interesting the first official star wars website uh launched in 95 yeah. as well yeah in july um so it was to promote the, um, it, I think it was made by, like it was through 20th Century Fox, and it was to promote the, um, the, re the THX re-releases. But also on there, um, on the site, you could uh, download images of props. Um, you could look at scripts. There were short, uh, low-quality video clips. Um, could uh there was some trivia 
apparently. Um, oh. Yeah, I I should have checked this. Um, I'm not sure if this website is archived anywhere. Yeah. Um, like using the Wayback Machine or something. Um, right. But I would, I would love it. to actually uh, like click through it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, another thing that uh, I do actually remember from the time was kind of a, a cool thing is the uh, the Energizer Bunny ad with Darth Vader, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was a cool thing for sure. Um, featured a, a pretty uh, pretty impressive recreation of the uh, the Cloud City duel uh, set. Yeah. So that was cool at the time, and and another example of Star Wars being back in the the zeitgeist or whatever, being back in the in the mindset of. Uh, of uh, the mainstream. So that was cool too. Um, and then one more thing, I guess from, from the year to year book here is uh, we're, we're sort of starting the prequel era. Cause um, George Lucas is talking about the prequels um, in the, the Leonard Malton interviews. And uh, in fact, uh, animatics are beginning for episode one's pod race in 1995. That's, that's wild to think. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. That's, when did when was it officially announced that the prequels were being, you know, episode one was actually going to be made? What was, do you remember when exactly? Ninety four, was it ninety four? Because that's when Doug Chang came on, right, John? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think we talked about that last time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was announced in ninety four. I want to say um he started writing the script for phantom menace in 94 in november um and you can see footage of that in the beginning our favorite uh documentary yeah and uh yeah you're right doug chang started working on the movie in 94 as well so um (laughs) yeah it's interesting in that leonard malton interview george mentioned so we're going to shoot them all at the same time like i don't know if in 95 he thought they were going to do it lord of the Rings style and just shoot all three movies together um he also said he was going to write all three scripts at once too. And uh, neither of those things happened as far as I know. So, uh, you know, things change, but uh, that was, that was interesting. So cool. All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up here. Uh, our, our look back at, at 1995 and star Wars, uh, huge year, obviously. And uh, I think we could have talked about some of this stuff uh, even more than we did, but um, uh, just a lot of great, great stuff to cover. And um, you know, um, each year of, of this decade kind of uh, improves in terms of how much Star Wars there is and kind of what's going on with Star Wars. But uh, but um, other than 99, if I had to choose a favorite year in, in, in Star Wars in the 90s, I think I might have to go with 95. Mm. Um, it's a pretty crazy, pretty crazy. And that's yeah, uh, so mine would be 96 because I didn't start picking this stuff up until 96. So yeah, yeah. 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 I guess uh, 95 is like really kind of that first like huge push. And then. Yeah. You know, you kind of feel that throughout the rest of, of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jeff, thanks so much for, for joining us for this episode. It was great to hear uh, your stories about uh, about picking up these Power of the Force figures and and for you to be able to uh, kind of, you know, share some of your, your knowledge of that time with us. Uh, so definitely appreciate you coming on to do the show. Well, um, thanks for inviting me. And uh, like I said, I really enjoyed your previous ones. And to be able to come on here and comment about this year, a lot of fun. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, all right, well, we're going to wrap up then. Um, you can check out, uh, more of our shows and, uh, interact with us through our website, which is blockade runner Uh, please subscribe on iTunes or, 
uh, you know, your podcast uh, service of choice. And if you want to leave us a review while you're there, that'd be great. Uh, we're also on YouTube and, you know, you can watch the show on YouTube uh, and uh, most of our previous episodes as well. Um, so uh, give us a, a subscribe, click the subscribe button there, I suppose. Um, we are on Twitter at um, Blockade Run. Uh, Ryan, you're on Twitter at... Uh, Braundorf, B-R-A-W-N-D-W-A-R-F. Yep. And Jeff, do you want to share your Twitter handle? Yeah, sure. At Jeff Keltz. Uh, last name's K-E-L-T-S. Uh, okay. So the Metal Mando is the uh, is the, the the moniker, the name, but right, right, yeah, yeah. not the handle. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> the Metal Mando. The Metal Mando. Yes. Love that. Obviously, you know what my two favorite things are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I think you're wearing like, it's, it's like a Zeppelin. It's a, it's a mashup of Zeppelin's first cover. Oh, okay. A Star Destroyer instead of the Zeppelin. That's nice. nice. That's yeah, that's definitely nice a big favorite band. I'm like, yep. Nice. I like it. Nice. I like it. Cool. cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much. We'll be back soon with more Blockade Runner podcast, and we'll be back hopefully next month with uh, with our 1996 episode. So until then, uh, thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.